friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. Well, I thought I needed to read this liturgy this morning. Liturgy for changing diapers. That has been my life lately. Give me just a second here. Heavenly Father, in such menial moments as this, the changing of a diaper, I would remember this truth, that my unseen labors are not lost, for it is these repeated acts of small sacrifice that, like bright ragged patches, are slowly being sewn into a quilt of loving kindness that swaddles this child. I am not just changing a diaper. By love and service, I am tending a budding heart that rooted early in such grace-filled devotion might one day be more readily inclined to bow to your compassionate conviction, knowing itself then both as a receptacle and a reservoir of heavenly grace. So, this little act of diapering, though in forms sometimes felt as base drudgery, might be better described as one of 10,000 acts by which I am actively creating a culture of compassionate service and selfless love to shape the life of this family and this beloved child. So take this unremarkable act of necessary service, O Christ, and in your economy, let it be multiplied into that greater outworking of worship and of faith, a true investment in the incremental advance of your kingdom across generations. Open my eyes that I might see this act for what it is from the fixed vantage of eternity, O Lord. How the changing of a diaper might sit upstream of the changing of a heart and how the changing of a heart might sit upstream of the changing of the world. Amen. You can see why I like that one. There's a legend. I don't know if the story is true. I, 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 don't, I meant to look it up, and I've, I've read different places whether it was true or not. I don't know. I think it's a legend that the famous Protestant reformer John Calvin was preaching some sort of revival or something, and he's preaching that weekend, and it's all about living your life to glorify God and, and how we can live our lives to glorify God. And when he was done, a baker, someone who owned a bakery, came up to him and said, Well, Mr. Calvin, what could I do to glorify God? And I'm told Calvin responded, Bake good bread. I like that. Our psalm today is Psalm 127. Here's what it says. A song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives sleep to his beloved. Rosemary, I think the message there says, working your fingers to the bone. It's pointless. Verse 3, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Okay, there's a lot that could be said about this little psalm. And there's a lot that has been said about this little psalm. 
about uh, sons being arrows in the hands of a father and happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. It's good stuff. Um, Although, did you notice that the first part, the first two verses, and then the last three verses at first glance seem like they have absolutely nothing to do with each other? Did you notice that? I mean, it seems like a really quick break between verses two and three. It's all about uh, working your finger to the bone is pointless unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And then all of a sudden it's like, aren't children great? And you're like, what was the connection there? It's only at first. You know, this psalm um, is actually the center of the songs of ascents. It's the center of the pilgrim playlist, the dead center, the literal heart. There are 15 psalms, and this is the center with seven on either side of it. So it's the literal center. And I think it is the center and the centering message of the whole thing. I think this is the key to understanding the whole point of the pilgrim playlist. It's a big statement. And it's a big statement because this psalm is just so terribly ordinary, isn't it? I mean, you come to Scripture and you're looking for something grand. I mean, give me a resurrection or, or a miracle, a burning bush or an angel army or something. But here you read this psalm and it's work, sleep, children, repeat. But that is most people's lives in the history of the world, isn't it? Work, sleep, children, repeat. Awfully, awfully ordinary. It does mention Solomon. You got to give it that. That's that great king of Israel who established the borders of Israel to the broadest they've ever been. Built the temple who was the wisest man in all the world. So rich he made the literal queen of Sheba gasp. But other than mentioning his name, that's about as exciting as this psalm gets. Solomon. Oh, Solomon. It's kind of ordinary. But I think that's kind of the point. It's ordinary because it's about the fundamentals of life, the basics. It's not trying to woo you and awe you with the grandeur of the greatest things. It's trying to center you on the most important things. It's about the fundamentals. And you know what the fundamentals of life are, don't you? Faith and family. That's the fundamentals. Faith and family. Focusing your heart to work for something that matters. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless it's for God, it just doesn't matter. And then family. I know it says sons. Okay, I know. I know it says happy is the man. I know. But come on. It's scripture. It's applied to everyone. I have some poetic, biblical, theological imagination. And I can say it's for all. Blessed are sons and daughters. (laughs) Happy is the man or the woman whose quiver is full with sons or daughters. They are surely like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And I love that last little phrase. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Um, I don't know why the translations say he, it's they, it's plural. It's a cooperation between father and son, and probably it's defending the gates of the city together. When he speaks with his enemy in the gate, it's more like, You shall cross this line if you want to die. And then you shall face the wrath of father and son. It's more like that. They're defending the city together. They will not be put to shame when they speak with their enemies in the gate. It's a partnership. Surely like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Solomon. Why mention Solomon here? What's the connection there? I I mean... I'm not one to judge, you know, I want to be accepting of everyone, but Solomon has a 
reputation with the ladies. Doesn't usually strike me as a family man. Not usually. You remember uh, what that old King Solomon did in the book of Ecclesiastes? You remember that book of Ecclesiastes? It's found in scripture, often forgotten. It's one of my favorites. You know the first thing he says in Ecclesiastes? It's beautiful. You could put this on a t-shirt or a coffee mug. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. For what do people gain for all their toil at which they toil under the sun? Implied answer, nothing. Ah, the word of the Lord. Encouraging scripture. (laughs) No, I love Ecclesiastes because if you read it, especially the first chapter, what Ecclesiastes is, is an experiment. The king is doing an experiment. He's saying, what will really satisfy Will anything truly give me deep, lasting meaning and satisfaction, or is it all just pointless? And so he he explores the various areas of life. So so at first he studies and learns and he gets an advanced degree, and then he realized it was all meaningless because those who increase in knowledge increase much sorrow, much study wearies the bones and increases student debt. (laughs) So that didn't work. And so then he attempts the hedonist lifestyle. That is, I'm going to deny myself no pleasure at all. I will indulge every single impulse right when I get them. Every ad or every commercial that catches my attention, I will buy the product. I'll get all the latest gadgets. I'll go for another round with the gang. I'll always have all the riches and ladies and success and fame and fortune that the world has ever seen. And he was miserable. He said, this too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. As that great theologian Jim Carrey says, I wish everyone could be rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they could see it's not the answer. I think Solomon would agree. You know what the king ultimately concludes, don't you? You know this. You do know this verse. In the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, look, here's, here's the end matter. Here, here's the sum of the game. Fear God keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. All the other stuff, eh, it'll work itself out. If you have a little pleasure in life, great. Indulge it, but, but make sure, fear God, keep his commandments. All the other stuff, it'll have a way of working itself out. That was his ultimate conclusion. Or as our Lord said it in a slightly different way, love God, love neighbor. That's really what it's all about. Faith, and family. You know, your neighbor, your most immediate neighbor is your family, so it works. It counts. The fundamentals, faith and family. But it is so easy to get focused on everything except faith and family, isn't it? I mean, can I get an oh yeah? I, I mean, I'm the preacher. I get paid to focus on faith and family, and I still find myself focusing on everything except faith and family. I mean, you know, it's easy. We get distracted. We get bombarded with things that we think are so important. And often we distract ourselves with things that we tell ourselves are going to help us with our faith or family, but we know they're not. The popular TV show Breaking Bad tells the story of this man, Walter White, who is trying to make ends meet for his family. He gets cancer. They already can't pay their bills. And so he starts cooking crystal meth to make the ends meet. He's a high school chemistry teacher, so he like, you know, knows how to do that or whatever. And as the story goes, there's a little recurring phrase in that show. And every time he does something that's even more dangerous and even more reckless, it's always for the family. Oh, it's for the family. So he gets deep into the underground world of drugs and crime, but it's, it's for the family. And he has to embezzle and launder millions of dollars, but it's, it's for the family. 
And then he misses the birth of his daughter because he has to do a drug deal, but it's, it's for the family. And then he nearly gets his family killed numerous times, but it's, it's for the family. There's a scene in one of the last episodes, spoiler alert, and his wife is talking to him. And he, he's about to leave for the last time. She's done with him. He's ruined the family that he was doing all this for. And he says, I know I've made mistakes, but I did it for the family. And she looks him in the eye and says, no, you did this for you, Walt. I like that. You did this for you. I mean, isn't that the American dream in a nutshell as it's stereotypically played out, right? I mean, it's, we're going to do greater things for the family. And then what do you do? You're not there for the family. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it tends to work itself out. We focus on things that we think might be the point or might help, but then they do everything except help us do the things that are the fundamentals. Don't be like Walter White. Don't waste your life focusing on everything except the fundamentals, thinking you're doing the fundamentals. Don't be like Solomon. Don't waste your life eating the bread of anxious toil. It's all just vanity. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. It's all just pointless, he says. Focus on the fundamentals. You know what they are. We know what they are. Faith and family. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. That last phrase is the confusing part, isn't it? All these things will be added unto you as well. Here's how I'd say it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff, will, it'll have a way of working out. If it really matters, it'll work out. And if it doesn't, good, you didn't waste your time on it. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make that your ambition. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. A quiet life. That's not what I usually hear. Higher, faster, stronger, better, more. I don't know. Jesus sure seems like slower, lower, weaker to me. And yet he was the greatest man that's ever lived. He was our Lord. Get your priorities straight. Or I guess you could say, unless the Lord builds the house, that's just another way of saying, get your house in order. You've heard this before. Get your house in order. Get your priorities set. I think Solomon's giving us one of those scared straight talks. You're familiar with this? Scared Straight, that TV show, and there was a documentary a long time ago, where like at-risk youth go to prison for a day, and then they like the inmates just yell at them and say, you don't want this life, this is terrible. You're familiar with this. This is Solomon's Scared Straight talk to you. Don't waste your life on the silly things. Don't waste your life chasing vanity and the wind. Focus on the things that last. Focus on the fundamentals. A friend of mine told me about this little habit he's developed. He's one of those type A personalities. You know the type. Has a calendar and a planner and a to-do list for everything. Has a daily to-do list, a weekly to-do list, a monthly, yearly to-do. You get me. Uh, some of you are that. Uh, he said that it's easy for him to get lost in all those to-do lists and in all his priorities and goals. And he said that he, he had this little practice he developed. I thought it was really smart. At the top of his to-do list, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, whatever, without exception, he puts four things at the top of the list before he lists anything else he's got to do. He lists love and serve God, love and serve self, love and serve wife, love and serve kids. That's what he puts. Okay, you probably don't have to take up four spots on your planner. You could probably just put faith, family, or love God, love others, whatever works. But I like that. 
If you're that type A personality, that Max Bricka type personality, then just, you can plug that in there if that works for you. There's another practice that, that I enjoy that, that we've tried to adopt as a family. It doesn't always work. It's about setting our priorities straight, and it is to say the Shema prayer. Have you heard of the Shema before? You have, even if you don't know it's called that. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear, and hear is the first word of this prayer. It's straight from Scripture. It's hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's, it's that prayer. You know this song. And you actually, I think, you got to say the whole thing. Because we always say, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then we stop. But you can't stop there. Because it goes through verse 9, and you've got to have the whole thing. And if you memorize it, you've got to memorize the whole thing. But here's why. I'll say it for you. You ready? And I think you'll see why. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh alone. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That's why. Um, I imagine some of you artistic types could literally paint it on the door frame of your house. I've always thought that would be cool. If you do that, please tell me. I want to see it. I've always wanted to do that. Or maybe some of you could uh, write in Sharpie on those days you really need it here on the back of your hand or on your forehead. Okay, maybe not your forehead. <laughs> but I could, I could imagine ladies finding a headband that somehow represents that to them. That'd be on your forehead, literally binding it on your forehead. Um, Jews have different ways of doing this. You remember Jesus talks about they make their phylacteries wide. You remember this in Matthew? It's one of the ways that they literally bind it to their forehead and their hands with these, like, these little boxes of scripture that have it written on it. I don't recommend that. But there is one practice I think is really cool, and it's called the mezuzah. Have you heard of these? Um, if you have Jewish friends, you'll have seen them. It's a, it's a little like cylindrical container, really small. And they, they drill it into the doorframe of their house. And inside of it is just a little piece of parchment that has the Shema written on it. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord's one. And every time they walk in or out of that door, they touch it and say the Shema. I really like that. You can find them online for not very expensive. I've been meaning to get one. Maybe I'll get one this week. Very good. Maybe you should buy your preacher one. I like it. I really like that. Uh, to say, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord's one. Whatever it is, I think you're like me. You often need a reminder of what's really important because it is so easy to get distracted. So whether you write it at the top of your planner or on your to-do list or whether you just say the Shema, whatever it is, you need something to remind yourself about what's really important in life because it's so easy to get distracted by all the other stuff, isn't it? And we know the fundamentals, faith and family. There's a famous Calvinist preacher and teacher, John Piper. I despise him. Don't like anything, hardly anything he's written or, or preached. He has this one sermon and a consequent book that's okay. It's called Don't Waste Your Life. Don't waste your life. And in it, he tells this story, he found it in like a Reader's Digest magazine or something. He tells this story of this retired couple that uh, likes to walk up and down the beach from their beachfront retirement home and collect seashells. And he's like, they're wasting their life when there's all this important work to be done. And, and uh, what are you going to say whenever you see God? Here's my shell collection. Isn't it impressive? And I'm like, 
I, like, I hear what he's saying. I get it. Like, there are important things in the world to be done. I get, I'm not diminishing that. I understand. But I also think he's kind of missing the point, isn't he? I mean, some of my best memories are collecting rocks outside with my mom. You going to tell me that was wasted time? I mean, you telling me the kids aren't coming up there to that beach house like every weekend to collect seashells with mom and dad? Yeah, right. They totally are. You tell me that's not beautiful? You tell me that's not kind of the point of the whole thing to some extent? Yeah, it is the whole point. I think that's beautiful. So on the opposite end, I would say, hey, don't waste your life. Go on vacation and collect seashells with your family. Go do things with them like that. Absolutely. Retire on the beachfront and bring the kids up there every weekend and make sure you remember your preacher. Um, just, I, I love that. I, I think it's beautiful because they're focused on faith and family, at least the family, for sure. Don't waste your life. Collect a few seashells here and there, so long as it's done with other people. Pray the Shema over your family. Do it when you're at home and when you're away, when you get up and when you go down. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that other stuff will just have a way of working itself out. Change diapers, but do it for the glory of God. Because who knows, that little act of tending a budding heart might just sit upstream of the changing of a heart. And changing of hearts might sit upstream of the changing of the whole world. A world that's more focused on what really matters, faith and family. And if you own a bakery and you want to glorify God with your life, then bake good bread. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txtandcontxt.com. It's Text and Context without E's in it. So again, that's txt a-N-D-C-O-N-T-X-T dot com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.